0: What we would love to do today is give you the worship and the praise and the adoration that you deserve. Lord, it's it's an amazing thing to me that you allow us with the sounds we can make from our vocal cords to sing to you and you receive it as worship. Mm-hmm. So Lord, just read our hearts, know our hearts this morning. We, we want to extravagantly honor you. We want to magnify you. We want to bless you. And, Holy Spirit, I ask that you sing through us. Mm -hmm. That we could give our God the glory he deserves. Help us. Help us to play beyond our abilities, to sing beyond our abilities, that you might be honored, Lord. come cause when I'm with you Lord it always leaves me wanting more here's our praise you can dwell within come again come again let the glory to come, cause when I'm with you, Lord, it always leaves me wanting more. Here's our praise, you can dwell you to come. I'll wait for you to come. Cause when I'm with you, Lord, it always leaves me wanting more. Here's our praise, you can dwell within. a building you want to fill, it's my heart this empty space is what you wanted all along it's not a building you want to fill it's my heart this empty space is what you wanted all along It's not a building you want to fill It's my heart This empty space Is what you wanted all along It's not a building you want to fill It's my heart This empty space Is what you wanted all along Come again, let the glory. Yearn to worship you. Creation yearns to worship you. With the heavens and the earth, I will sing. Let's sing that again. The heavens yearn to worship you. Worship you. i a in splendor, beautiful, you're beautiful in splendor. I just hear the Lord saying, Lift up your heads. Don't look at the ground, but lift up your eyes, lift up your heads. Redemption draweth nigh, redemption draweth nigh, do not Your redemption draweth nigh. Watch for it, watch for it, keep an eye out for it. Your redemption draweth nigh. Oh, out and worship to you I will watch I will wait until I see redemption And Majesty upon Your throne, You are God. All glory and dominion, all authority. Your arm is not too short to say, and your ears are always listening for my cry. You are always mindful of the frailty of my frame. Why do you? One such as I Who am I that the King of glory would take notice of me that the Lord of glory would look kindly on me and show me his mercy Who am I that the lord of life would die for me that the king of the ages would set me free who am i In might and majesty upon your throne, you are God. You call each one by name, by your power you set each one in its place. Yet you chose to buy my pardon when the Lamb was sacrificed, so I could know your mercy and your grace. Who am I That the King of glory Would take notice of me That the Lord of glory Would look kindly on me And show me His mercy Who am I That the Lord of life for me that the the king King of of the ages would set me free who am I who am I that the king of glory would take notice of me that the lord of glory would look kindly on me And show me His mercy. Who am I that the Lord of Life would die for me? That the King of the Ages would set me free? Who am I? Jesus we exalt you Father we glorify you Almighty God Jesus is the Lamb For sinners slain Jesus is the lamb For sinners slain you're the lamb for sinners slain. Jesus, you're the lamb for sinners slain. Lord, If we're looking at the ground Lord, we'll keep our eyes
1: Cowbell. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. Had to have some more. Thank you, John. Hallelujah. I was reading this morning in uh, Matthew 24, and I uh, was struck by the scripture that Kay prayed as she prayed that they're opening this morning and it says all of these things must come to pass so that Jesus Son of God would receive all power and glory and honor and wisdom I've also been struck by the idea that ever since uh, Ukraine was invaded. Why, uh, seemingly, the world at large doesn't even it really there's given of marriage football, baseball, deer hunting. (laughs) It all goes on. We get up and go to work, go do our business, whatever it is. It just strikes me that the word is true. It'll be like in the days of Noah. Noah. Nobody's going to see it coming. This is—we can't look at the current events and say this is going to happen at this time, because no man knows. So we do go about our business. If I can remember, uh, when we were first married, and. We got married in 73, and it looked like things were bad at that time, and and you was wondering whether or not you would want, want to have children, but that's going against what God has ordained marriage to be, to raise children in the knowledge of him. But, you know, at, at the time, it seemed like, well, what do we do? <laughs> and I, I can remember doing that, and I can also remember quite, uh, we went through a period in the 90s where we thought there was a great influx and of uh, Christians and it looked like things were being, you know, we had the Y two K coming up and all that. And people, you know, freaking out, and the world's coming to an end. And I can remember saying something to Kay's mom. She said, "Oh, we believe is that. We believe that one." when I was your age, young, when we were young, back in the early 1900s, she was born in 21, I think. 20. She said, yeah, I I can remember when we believed that. And so, so you, there's something to gather from it Sean's gonna come share some of it. He's got. His, it's been on his mind. So. Um. I am speaking the truth, right?
2: Yes. Okay. As far as I know.
1: But you're ready to go.
2: Yeah, I am. Yeah, that that's true. It's funny because God said to me, write this down. This is yesterday. Jack's going to ask you to come and speak. I said, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. okay. All right. And Jack's right. We, we don't, yeah, that's right. I can't say it wasn't warned. We don't know the times and the seasons um, in regards to specifics, but we do know the times and the seasons in regards to the times and the seasons. And the Lord directly admonishes us to make sure That he says, when you look to the west and you see this, or you see that, you know what it is. When you look to the stars, you know what that is. Right. But, how much more so should you be able to tell the times and the seasons, and know that the time is here? So there's a lot of things that are going on that have never ever gone on before. A lot of things that make us, we should be looking up. We should be consistently considering the reality that one day you might be calling Kay or calling me or calling Ronnie or Mike or John or whoever and Rusty, and all of a sudden you're standing right in front of them and you go, Oh, how did that happen? Because we've been taken up. Because that day's coming, and it's coming sooner than we think. Our responsibility, and this is what the Lord talked to me about, was our alignment. It's what we were talking about last week was the alignment and and being able to, everybody seemed to be on the same page, including the prophetic, other churches, everybody was on the same page. It's time to make sure your alignment is right. So in Holman home and I was considering that and I said, Lord, what do you mean by alignment? Like, what do you, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine who is explaining some stuff about his relationship with his wife and some things that they're going through and and I won't share that because that's private, but one of the things that, that I found that he said was something that I realized there's more than just them going through this. Because I've spoken to, I can't tell you how many people, couples that have and are going through this, including in my own family. A lot of times we think of a double-minded man or a double-minded person as somebody who has one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And that's bad enough, but that's pretty clear and pretty, you know, that that's lukewarm. The Lord talks about that. I'd rather you not be lukewarm cuz I'll spew you out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. But then it dawned on me if a man's affinity or his heart is directed towards the things of the church, And not towards Christ, he's a double minded man. So, what the Lord would say is if your affinity is to the church, I don't care whether it's this one or any other one, if you receive your affirmation and you receive that exhilaration when somebody says, We're going to promote you to deacon. You're going to be the head worship flag waver on the left side of the stage. And Rosie's still going to stay on the right, but you're going to be the head worship flag waver on the left. You know, um, if, if if you get that exhilaration from that, or worse yet, if when Rosie gets promoted to the right side flag waver and you didn't get it and your heart is devastated and bitterness comes upon you, you are getting your affirmation from the church and from Christianity, not from Christ. And I say those types of examples facetiously, but honestly, sincerely, how many times have we, as we've grown in Christianity, in our relationship with Christ, in our walk with him, how many times have we been standing someplace and someone makes a false evaluation about your character? And in that false evaluation or that picture that they've drawn about you, they have then took you and said, I would rather you not do this. And because they're in a place of leadership, you go, okay. But inside, you're devastated. You're devastated because why would you even think that about me? I think we've all gone through that, you know. Or even closer to home, I mean, how many of us in your own evaluation... Just raise your hand. In your own evaluation, how many of us would say that our families, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, were somewhat dysfunctional? Right? I mean, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, how then do you relate? I used to tell people this all the time. I have a really easy time relating to Christ as my brother, as my friend. But I don't have a very good handle of what it is for him to be my father and I didn't and so what God did is he re-sparked my memories of my childhood and he vividly showed me memories of my dad making just decisions on my behalf and changing things on my behalf one of the things my dad did I want you to picture this Rusty how tall are you? okay stand up My dad was six foot tall. I was, stand right here so everybody can see you. Okay, now picture six foot, but much slender, probably about 160 pounds. At 12 years old, I was six foot two. And I would stand right behind my dad like this, like that. And I'd hide. I wanted nothing to do with anybody. And it drove my father nuts not because it irritated him, because he saw the hurt in my heart and he didn't want his son to be hurting like that and he couldn't figure out why I was. And so he said, thank you. He said, here's the deal. He'd been laid off from work. He was going to be off for about two months. He knew that. It was over the summer months. So it was real good. We were all going we to go fishing and do all kinds of really good things. And he said to me, I want you every day for the next three weeks to walk from school, which was right across the field, probably about the same distance as to the laundry mat here. To walk from the school across the field, and I want two things from you. I want your hands out of your pockets and I want your head held high. And if you do, I'll double your allowance. That was ten bucks instead of five bucks. That was a pizza, a pop, and a comic book. <laughs> right? And so I did. Some serious change. I mean, I could almost bought three hooks for a fishing trip. I mean, you know. <laughs> and because I always got to use dad's junk hooks because I would lose them. So he'd always give me the junk hooks. I don't know it doesn't my... Anyway, um, but he, he saw that and that was his heart towards me. And that was one of the key things that the Lord showed me when I went, oh, because I never really picked up on that when I was growing up. So the father had a heart for me So much so that he wanted to show me what a father was through my father. I was able to take that and reposition myself. And I went, you know what? My family had drawbacks, there were shortcomings. But I know now who my father is. And I know that what he wants for me is good. And that's when I started to recognize when little things would come along. Just the smallest of things, and I would give him praise because the Father of the Universe was affirming me by giving me the smallest of things that I really didn't need. You know, a pair of nice comfy shoes. My favorite shoes in the whole world. I have never had a pair of shoes like this pair of shoes. I'll I'll probably wear them out because they're that comfortable. You know, Dana got some stuff the other day that she was just like she was... Lord, thank you. Right out of the blue, you know. Um, hold that up. She needed a purse. I was at a clearance store. I walked through. I saw that purse. I said, the lady, how much is that purse? She said, $24.99. I said, I'll take it. I didn't know my wife's purse was wearing out. Lord just said, buy the purse. So I bought the purse. I get out in the truck. I look it up. It's $225. Still had the tag on it. It's brand spanking new. I get home. Dana goes, "Well, that's an—it wasn't really her style, but it was a nice person. It was really well built." And she said, "Well, that's nice because look at mine—it's all coming apart." She starts showing me. You know, God loves us so much; He does these little things. That's an affirmation from us to Him in recognizing that of the love that He's shown us. That's us saying, "Thank you, thank you, thank you, Daddy," and getting so excited, like your granddaughter does when she gets something from you guys. And I know, because I've seen that, and she's so exhilarated, and she just, (laughs) she vibrates, right? I mean, it's just, it's awesome. That's us doing that to God. But what God is saying to us now, now, is get your affirmation from me. Search your place out with me. Come come to me, ask me, where do I belong? Ask me, what do I do? When I came down here to Oklahoma, I knew who I was. Others didn't. I knew what the Lord had told me. Others did not recognize that. I wish I could say I was this incredibly strong believer in the Lord, and that's why I knew that. No, I knew that by his grace. That was it, that was all. There was nothing more. It was just his grace. So when somebody came to me and said, I've been diagnosed with a rare blood disease and I don't understand what this is all about. It's not running in my family. I don't, I'm supposed to go in on a Monday for a test. Um, but they've done all the side tests and it's like 99% confirmed that I've got this disease. I don't know what to do. And I stopped him and I said, Randy. And Randy, I can use his name because he's, he's given me permission to because he thinks it's the most amazing thing in his life that's ever happened. You will meet Randy one day. I said, Randy, in the name of Jesus Christ. We command that blood to be purified. You have been redeemed by the blood. And I'm telling you that the day you got saved, you were genetically changed. That blood is pure. There is nothing in there that is not of Christ. And he went, Whoa. And he went, okay. He went for the test. He came back, knocking on my door. The doctor can't understand it. My blood is completely pure. I said, right. You know, um, these types of things would happen and I would just go, yeah, because the Lord showed me years ago that I would pray over people and that they would be healed because Christ would heal them. Not because I prayed over them. You see, I could have turned around and I could have said, Hey, Randy, come to church with me and tell everybody this. And then Randy does. And then what does the church do? Sean, come and pray. Let's th- we're going to do a line here. Anybody that's sick, please come up. Well, that's not what happened. This was a divine moment. This was a momentary divine thing inspired by God, prompted by God for a healing to occur. It wasn't because of me, it was because of him. Which means there is nothing significant about this line whatsoever other than I'm gaining affirmation from church if I accept it because I've been given a position as a healer, I'm not. I'm the same as you. I just heard God speak in a momentary situation and say, pray and declare his blood as pure. It's the same as you. That's the alignment we have, and people have to get that. That's one of the reasons why Randy had said to me, you should go to such and such and tell him, and I said, no. No, that's not what this is about. This is about the affirmation of Christ's deity in your life. You make the declarations. You go and tell him, not that I prayed for you, but that Jesus healed you. That I was standing on a corner, somebody had a divine word directly from the Lord, spoke to me, and the next day I found out that I was completely healed in that moment. That's the witness, that's the testimony. The minute it's anything else, it has become cheapened. And all of a sudden the affirmation goes to the church instead of to the creator. So the question again is, do you have a foot in two worlds? Is there still a part of you that's looking for affirmation from the church someplace? The vision for this group, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, okay, but the vision for this group is to have a first century church in a new century. Okay? It's to have everybody share Every once in a while, someone like this, like me, will get up and give a teaching. But it's to have everybody share. It's to have everybody be affirmed. It's to have new people coming in and someone says, I think I have a song to sing. And he goes, okay. And they get up and they just belt one out. Hallelujah. Or they belt four out. Hallelujah. You know, as long, the only admonition we have in the church as far as us sharing is that everybody would do so in order. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a mess. (laughs) It'll be a holy mess. It'll be be done in God's order. Okay? There's there's things that that in this alignment process, that's the first base thing right there, is that it always goes to Christ and that everything we should do should be Christ-centric, not church-centric. Okay? The second and final thing, is that there are no pew sitters. I have read a lot of the Bible. I think a lot of you have read a lot of the Bible. I have never once found in the Bible that there will be pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, and then pew sitters. Not in it's not in there. That means each and every one of us fits into one of those categories. Every one of us, okay? Every one of us. That includes John. <laughs> because you're a teacher. Because someone will come along one day and say, hey, I'd really like to learn how you do this soundboard thing. And you can minister through them through that because I've done that. And it's an amazing thing to do that, to be able to teach somebody, you know, and show them and, and build them up and edify them and say, this is what the Lord could have you do. Right? And then one day when the power all goes out, we don't have soundboards anymore. Well, we'll find something else for you to teach. <laughs> <laughs> but we have before us an opportunity to say, Lord, who am I? Am I a teacher? Do I have things inside of me that are burning that need to get out? Then I would encourage you on Sunday to tap Jack on the shoulder and say, I got something burning inside of me, that needs to get out. Okay? Am I a pastor? Do you just care for people? Is your heart all over people when you see somebody hurting? Go and visit them. Spend time with them. A lot of times you don't even get to say a whole lot about the Lord. It's just the love that you're showing for the individual. Right? Are you a preacher? Do you find yourself running into people on the street? God, years ago, Because of that shy boy that I was when I was 12 years old, I had to teach myself to be an extrovert because naturally I'm an introvert. That's why I can sit up on the mountain by myself and I'm just fine. But I come out here and people go, how do you do that? You're such an extrovert, you're such a social butterfly. No, not really. I taught myself to be this way. When you're a preacher, God used in me years ago, he said, I want you to go over there and just say hello to that person. I remember I was in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. For those of you who don't know where that is, that's Running Back to Saskatoon. There's a song, you can figure it out. The the ability to walk over to somebody, and I started to talk to this individual. And they stood there, and they looked at me. And all of a sudden, God started giving me a download of what was going on in them. And I started to speak to them, and I said, such and such, such and such, such, and the... Tears started coming down this guy's eyes. He said, how did you know that? I said, do you know who the Lord Jesus Christ is? He said, not really. And I was able to tell him. I don't know that he ever accepted the Lord. But I was able to tell him. And he walked away thanking me. That's a preacher. That's someone who gets out there. You know, are you an evangelist? You love telling people about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Are you washed in the blood, Ronnie? Right? Because there's truth in that. I mean, it may come across as Christianese to some people, but the reality is there's truth in that. His blood washed us whiter than snow. It's one of my favorite songs. Are you a prophet? Do you get things dropped into you and you go, God, what do I do with that? Right? Are you an apostle? Do you find yourself getting a little bit of everything that I just talked about? And then on top of that, you got people calling you from out of the blue. And they're saying, hey, I don't know what to do here. How do I do this? Well, let me tell you what the Lord's saying. That's an apostle. Okay, It's a directive. You're giving them direction. You're guiding them. It's an, almost an internal ministry, but not Really? These are all things. Take some time this week. I'd encourage each and every one of you take some time this week and challenge the things you think you were by looking at what maybe God has for you. Because sometimes we get caught up in a place of comfort in the church because we've always been in that spot. Instead of stepping out and coming into a place of complete satisfaction. Hear me in this. Of complete satisfaction in Christ. It will challenge you to the core, but it will be the best thing you've ever done in your life because you will experience the true freedom that Christ has for you. Was that not? Actually, give that to Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, I had several things running through my brain, and of course, as soon as he looked at me and said, hand it to Kay, it all left. So, let me think here. Huh? Has a tendency to do that. Well, one, one thing that um, I believe the church the quote-unquote church has uh, taught wrongly is to do things without hearing from God. For instance, what Sean was talking about about um evangelizing you know we have certain denominations that are real big in evangelizing and it's good it's necessary but it is worthless if it is not spirit anointed and The reason I believe that we have a lot of people that are, that have been formerly churched but are no longer is because they have been slapped with the Bible verses, prayers, whatever, witness, over and over and over, and there was no anointing attached to it. Uh, and they want nothing to do with it. If God tells you to speak to someone and to speak in an evangelistic way or whatever he's telling you to do, that means he's preparing or has prepared them to receive what he is wanting to say to them. Because again, like Sean said, it's not us. It's never us. It's him. What does he want to say to people? So, you know, in in years gone by, Jack and I never uh, agreed with this, but back when we were younger, you know, we'd be a part of churches that they'd go out to neighborhoods and knock on doors, hand out tracts, invite people to church. And if God... hmm, used car salesmen. If, If God has told you to do that, and there is an anointing on you to do it, then that's exactly what you need to do. But otherwise, you're just irritating people, and you're not accomplishing anything. And, and to my way of thinking, you're bringing maybe not disgrace, but you're besmirching. The name of Jesus because you've gone in his name, but you did not have his power with you. And so it appears that he has no power. Does that make sense? One of the basic of the church Mm-hmm. Well, I think the Jesus' mother, Mary, gave us the best instruction of how to live our lives when she told to the people that were in charge of the wine at the wedding and all they had left were watered jugs of water she said whatever he says to you do it that's how we need to live our lives whatever he says to us do it and that means we have to take time to listen because you can't hear someone through the noise of our culture you can't hear him through the noise of our culture we need to learn to take time and be quiet before Him. Talk to Him, yes, absolutely. Pray, yes. Read the Word, yes. But then just shut up and listen. Just listen. may be one of the hardest things of all to do. Because at least for me, when I am moving under an anointing, I think it's the best idea in the world. And as soon as that anointing lifts, I'm like, what did I just do? That is so stupid. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? When 30 seconds before, I was absolutely convinced it was the Spirit of God, and it was. That. So if you're under an anointing to do something, it's not going to be necessarily, you're not going to be battling with your personality or your flesh or, you know, you may be battling with God, but... Asking, are you sure? And and that's okay as long as you do what he tells you to do. But We have to get to a point where we hear his voice and then we do what he says. And if he says do nothing, then that's what we do. It's very hard. But if we're communicating with people, for instance, I, I'll give this illustration. Loretta Abercrombie and I were sitting in a hotel uh, restaurant at a, getting breakfast. We were at a conference in Oklahoma City, and we're getting breakfast, and this gal comes up to her, the waitress. And Loretta just starts talking to her and, and the gal is just dadada 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 dadada. and Loretta starts ministering to her. Very um, no hardcore heavy stuff but telling her that God knows where she is and that He loves her and and this woman was just responding and I thought, I want to get in on this. This is good. And so I said something to her. That woman cut me off. I was just sitting across the table from Loretta. I was not the person that was supposed to be ministering to her that morning. So I shut my mouth. And just listened and watched God work. And was a little bit sad that I didn't get to have, you know, a part in it. But, you know, hey, God knows what he's doing, I don't. I'll, I'll say one more thing. We are seeing God do what we've asked him to do miraculous things. We um, know a guy that in his past he had been a minister, a pastor and he had gone off the rails bad. And um, just yesterday, Jack was talking to him, and the guy was telling him that a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, he had made things right with God. And he was getting back on whatever. He was making things, starting to make things right with people. I mean, this guy has lost his kids. He's lost relationships. It it was... And I'm thankful. I'm so grateful. God hears us when we pray for people. And, you know, we didn't have to witness to this guy. We're witnesses by living our, whatever we do in our daily lives, that's a witness to people. You don't have to say anything. We are witnesses. And we don't have to um we don't have to be a part of it. We can pray and then see God move. And he is moving. He is moving. Okay, Jackson.
1: something.